This episode is from the Set GK show that I recorded with Darren McLeod. Hope you enjoy. Darren McLeod is currently the goalkeeper coach for Sporting KC2 and the MLS Next Pro League. Darren joined the coaching ranks after a brief professional career. Darren also broke multiple goalkeeping records during his time playing with Drake University. Cool. Darren, appreciate you uh, sticking with us through the technical difficulties, but uh, th- thanks for coming on. Uh, we appreciate your time. Not a problem. I appreciate you having me on. Cool, Darren. So for this podcast, what I've been enjoying to do is asking everybody, you know, what what made you want to join Set UK? Um, to, to be honest, I mean, I, I had a prior relationship with with Eric Klinovsky. Um, and to be honest, like I've, I've bounced around like glove brands over both when I was playing and then kind of now as a coach and probably not the answer that uh, most guys give. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it's a really good quality glove, but I think it's one of the first times both in my playing career and coaching career where I've, I've felt like a sense of good, like connectivity amongst sure. the group, not only guys who are represented, but also just like coaches that reach out and obviously having a good relationship with Eric and a couple other guys that have reached out, whether they're with MLS teams, college teams, current players. I think just the, the connectivity of the group is something that has appealed to me. And uh, just from a, I guess a networking standpoint has been nice to see. Sure. Just yeah. A little bit more like family based, I guess, if you would. Oh yeah. No, no. I mean, that, that's, um, that's kind of what, we, what we've been pushing for. So um, we appreciate that answer. So talking about your playing career, um, you know, kick us off with where'd you start playing college pro career? And then how'd, how'd you end up into, into coaching? Was it something that was always kind of known for you while you were playing or did you fall into it almost? Um, it was a little bit of, I knew I wanted to get into coaching, but it mm-hmm. kind of came at a time where I was like, you're never really like ready to step away from the game. Sure. Uh, so I guess long story short, I started, I grew up through like Toronto FC Academy, mm-hmm. uh, from Canadian born, went to school at Drake university, um, in Des Moines, Iowa. Yep. Yep. Um, straight after that played two years, actually hearing at sporting, um, okay then left to go to North Carolina in the USL as well. Um, and then after I finished with North Carolina, it was one of those situations where I was like, look, I want to find a club where I can pick up minutes. And I think North Carolina were at the same point too. Like I joined them late after kind of having like a bit of a messy off season, just like right. around. And I think the big thing that didn't help me was the fact that like I was an international spot. Mm. Um, sure. So, it was one of those things, like I, I made a decision after uh, North Carolina. I was like, look, can I bounce around the USL for a little bit, continuing to struggle being like an international spot and always kind of having that held over me when I'm like, yeah. talk, like talking about contracts and that. Or, um, I mean, I spoke with the staff here and the first team goalkeeper coach and I was like, look, he took a similar approach where he retired at like 26, 27 after playing mm-hmm. a couple years pro. and. Uh, it's obviously worked out for him. And I was like, yeah, what's, what was your experience? Like, what were some of like the feelings that went through your body? And um, I guess it, it kind of just made sense for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I knew I always wanted to get into it. Um, and I looked at it this way, like, look, I played at the club. I know the culture. Um, it's a familiar start for me. And to sure. be honest, like probably a pretty good foot in the door. Yeah. Um, yeah. Out of anywhere else. So I was like, if I pass up this opportunity, 
I don't know if it's going to be here in like three years. So how long, how long did it take for you to decide and how long, how long were you thinking about this too? Like, what, what was that process like? Um, cause I, I would imagine it wasn't like, it, Oh, you wake up one day. Okay. Let's coach. No. Right. Uh, yeah, I, I, I asked them to give me two weeks to kind of think about it. Um, can't tell you the amount of conversations that I had in that two sure. weeks just going back and forth, just like leaning in on people that are close to me. And what, what were they saying? Like, what were you asking? What were they saying? Cause I, I think, it, I think it's important too, for, for a lot of people that are listening, whether they're, I would assume a lot of people listening are college athletes kind of thinking, do they want to play pro? Do they want to start coaching? So it's like, you know, what were some of the questions you were asking yourself at this time? Yeah, I think it, the big thing for me was, um, I knew I could still play. I knew like I'd contracts on the table. Like I could step into a couple USL clubs. Um, I think I was trying to like the way the pros and cons of like, look, if everything goes well, I stick to USL and make a name, hopefully in the MLS, how long am I willing to kind of grind it out in the USL? Uh, mm. A lot of guys not to like deter them from playing pro don't necessarily always have the the best idea of what like second division football looks like even here in the U S and it's right. getting better. Sure. But I think they, when you're in college and I was naive to it as well, you have this vision of like what it looks like. Um, it's not like the MLS, you kind of have to like grind through, get your feet a little bit muddy for a while. And like I'd ran the race for three years and I, I, I was prepared to, to run it longer. Um, but I'll be honest with you, the, the last kind of like eight months of my career was one that um, kind of made me like fall out of love even with the game. Like I went from Kansas city um, up to Minnesota and without getting into like crazy details, it was just like a giant mess there Um, in terms of I left somewhere where I was happy, basically promised a couple different things and blew up in my face, ended up, at North Carolina, like super late in the year. And like, you know, with goalkeepers, it's like they had a good number one in Tambacus. And I mean, I got like eight to 10 games in the year, which I thought I was pretty fortunate to get right. as a number two. Um, but I was like, look, I want to be playing. I want to be starting. That's part of the reason I left Kansas city in the first place. Um, so just the, the eight months that I went through with, with Minnesota into North Carolina, North Carolina was a positive experience. I just wasn't playing as much as I wanted to. Yeah. Um, So I figured I was like, I think the one thing for me was I kept thinking like, Oh, you're quitting on your career. You're quitting on your career. And that was the one thing that like stuck to me as as really difficult. But the more people I spoke to, I was like, you have to almost look at it as like, look, you're pivoting out of a, from one career to another. And yeah. Like a lot of my coaching style is there's ways to do things in this business, even at the pro level and not at the pro level. Um, you can still have firm conversations, but I'm not a big believer in, in the sense, like being two faced, like you can release right. players and have them be numbers twos and threes more of the difficult side of things, but still just be honest with them and yeah. tell them what it is. Um, cause I think that's what we all appreciate, but sure. So when you talk, speaking about your coaching style, those first couple of weeks in your first, in your first couple of weeks coaching, I mean, what, what was the adjustment like, you know, what was that, what was that period like for you? Cause I bet too, at the same time, I wish I was back out here, but you know, just changing your mindset, but what was that, you know, even two weeks, first couple months like for you? 
Yeah, I think, uh, I don't know how it is for you, but I feel like most goalkeeper coaches, when they first start out, they're like, how were sessions run for me? What did I like? What did I not like? And I'm just going to run my sessions. Well, hey, I think it was a little different for me just because I didn't really have a coach. So my brother's, uh, or my coach's brother will come back from his pro seasons out in like Finland and Sweden and just start shredding shots on me. And so (laughs) those were, those were my sessions. But uh, so I, I was a little different in that sense. But anyway, for you. Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, it was like, look, take my experiences from the multitude of goalkeeper coaches that I've had and run sessions. And to be honest, it was when I first started, it was like, I've got some good ideas, but I wasn't able to like hone in on it. It It's just like your ideas here. Um, But I mean, just being in here at this club, I've learned a lot from like the first team goalkeeper coach of like how to structure a week, like microcycles Mm -hmm. of how to build it into a a match day. Um, Right. I've looked a lot more of like, I mean, my, my style now is like big on like scenario-based training, like creating situations in controlled environments. Um, Whereas I said, maybe before I was hugely like technical based, um, a lot of like announced shots and which I think is needed. I'll be honest, even for the first like 10, 15 minutes of my session, still technical based. Right. And the progression is, a little bit more decision making and um, unpredictability, if you would. Right. Yeah, yeah. Based on whatever your topic is, and maybe mm-hmm. as a younger coach, I didn't have that until I started seeing like, okay, what's what's the progression? What, what are you trying to get out of the session? So, what do you think the most important thing that you've developed over? So wait, so let's just take us through. So you started at Sporting KC, or is that wrong? My coaching career started right. with them as the. Uh, head of academy and now i'm okay right so do you structure your academy sessions different from the second team or is it one of those it's the same just the demands are a little bit different um again at the beginning it was like heavily technical based yeah Uh, and i think for the younger kids like we go u12 through u19s so in a given day you'd be working with like u12 goalkeepers and then you're working with guys who are like sniffing into the pros Um, right so I think I eventually changed into this where I would run basically the same session. Like I'd mm-hmm. have a topic of like, okay, you know, dealing with the space and behind or something like that. Yeah. And I'd run the same session, but for the younger guys, I might spend a little bit more time on like the technical aspect. And then when it came live to like the scenario base, instead of having like two or three scenarios that might happen, it was maybe just like one or two. So there's yeah. less for them to think about so they could hone in on, do I have the right technique? Right. Whereas like the older guys, you spend, you know, maybe less time on their technical side. They're pretty proficient on being clean yeah. and you recreate scenarios more and make it more difficult, difficult yeah. decision-making. So what's been, so what's been the most enjoyable so far um, during your time coaching and that, and that transition period as well, if you will. I think the biggest thing is just like, I struggled and I feel like most players are like this. You're very like self-centered in your career. And if you're not, you're lying. Because (laughs) at the end of the day, like you're on a team, but you want yourself to be like successful as a goalkeeper. And um, the one thing about like being in the position like this, like it's, it's not really about you anymore. Yeah. I really enjoyed working with like the Academy kids, but also at the same time, like I'm in a position now where, I get the best of both worlds. I'm working with like the number two and three on the first team, helping them to hopefully like progress into 
future minutes. Mm -hmm. But then like we have like a 14, 15 year old kid in train in second team training with us. So you work with those kids for like three months and they're just like absolute sponges and they can just like transform drastically. Yeah. And then you work with like Paul Scamp, who's like 21 year old goalkeeper starting to like break in behind Tim. Right. Getting national team call-ups, like the margins are a little bit smaller when you work with them. Right. But you see like a, I guess like a bigger outcome. Like sure. they're playing right. right. So there's a whole bigger picture to it, huh? Yeah. And so I've kind of got the, the nice balance of like, you're working with established pros, but then you're still like helping the young guys get their first taste of it and try. Right. And to be honest, I, I, my aspirations are always like, I want to be a first team goalkeeper coach someday, but sure. at the same time, there are a lot of aspects of academy goalkeeping that I miss just because yeah. when you work with kids, it's like you work with a kid for a short period of time. And if you're doing it right, I mean, there are a lot of kids that I've worked with where it's just like, if you look at the progression from now to the end of the year, it's like, they're completely different goalkeepers. Right. Right. That's awesome. That's amazing. I think that's the most enjoyable pieces. Like yeah. giving guys maybe what I didn't have. What's it? Yeah. What, what separates guys like Pulse Camp and Tim apart from some <laughs> other goalkeepers, you know, what, what do they so, do so well on a, on a daily basis? Um, I think Pulse, uh, I mean, I'll say Pulse Camp is just like a different breed in terms of like his mentality. I've never yeah. met a guy who's so, so dialed in every single rep being important. Like you go and play small side and I was like a regen day, like mm -hmm. they'll play and maybe he was the number two, like he's playing his regen game. Like it's like balls to the wall, like yeah. he'll two foot his own grandma to like win that game. Like his competitive mentality is just like, like I, I could guarantee you if I if I stuck him with like the U15s, mm -hmm. he'd be like, don't care, I will win. Um, so I've really I haven't worked with a lot of guys who are like that intense. Yeah. So for me, that's why I think he'll be like super super successful in his career. Like he's already starting to like break in and do really well. And when you have a guy who's like coachable, hungry, driven, it's like he's for me, he's going to have a successful career. Like he's got all, everything, yeah. all the tools. He just needs to go get the experience of games. Right. Um, and Tim on the other side of things, it's like, he's so smart in terms of his decision-making, his tactical awareness. Like I think both of us know, like he's maybe not your prototypical, like six foot five acrobatic right. goalkeeper, but he's just like, he knows what's in his toolbox. He's super clean with everything in and around him. And he just puts himself in like good spots to help him succeed. Those um, what's in his toolbox. So it's essentially being self-aware, you know, how, how important I feel like, how important is that? Do Are you able to coach that? Like, do you try to get these Academy goalkeepers to understand to like be self-aware and not try to, you know, really do anything that they they're not comfortable with. Cause I see it all the time. It's like, what, you know, just why are you doing this? Like, why are you changing? Just, just because you see somebody else do it, like just stick with what, what you're good at. Yeah. I think it's like a delicate balance because you've still got, when you've got young guys, you still have time to add to their toolbox. Like yeah. for example, like you, you, we talked to our goalkeepers about being like proficient with both feet, like mm. just so when teams press you, you can get out and you don't like close off the game with your body shape, right. and things like that. Like for a 14 year old goalkeeper, we will tell them like, look in a game situation, if you don't feel comfortable clipping a ball 30 yards with your weak foot, don't do it. 
but that's not an excuse for in training sessions. Sure. You're not working on it in training sessions. You're not trying it. Mm -hmm. Um, just because I think there's a little bit more leeway with those guys. Like they're not playing in front of 30,000. If they try and like clip a ball with their left foot and it gets cut out, it's right. like, there's a piece of understanding there. Um, but then you've got guys like, I'll give you an example, like our number three, Kendall McIntosh, like mm. freak athlete, really good pro, but growing up, he was never a goalkeeper that from like tighter distances, like uses his feet to make saves. Interesting. Yeah. But he's so quick in terms of like, getting down right and getting good firm hands so you look at a guy like that he's 28 years old and you ask the question of like this is what is in your toolbox you might be a better goalkeeper if you're able to use your feet mm. but at the same time if we start trying to get you to use your feet i think you make more mistakes right because right. you're thinking about it more yeah so it's like a delicate balance of like where are you at in your developmental stage and what works for you? But I think right. with the younger guys, it's like, you've got time. So why don't yeah. we keep building on your toolbox? I mean, talking about saying it's not an excuse to not try it in training, how important is it in an environment, training environment, do you try to establish to where, to get them to understand, even at, even at the, you know, the fresh, professional level, like it's okay to make mistakes, you know, how do you go about creating that environment to where it's like, hey, try this, fail at it, get better, but don't, try it fail and not do it ever again right yeah i think that just comes from like the communication piece from the coaching staff um i'm sure you've worked with guys where it's like you make a mistake and they absolutely just give you like the hair dryer treatment like right there's a time and a place for it for sure but you have to be in a space where you allow guys to like express themselves and um make mistakes like even when we go through games together like we'll share it with all the goalkeepers and we'll clip their highlights and we'll sit down together and be like you know Santino's playing on the weekend Jacob you didn't play you're the number two let's sit down and just like be in a space where you're vulnerable like even in yeah. training we'll use each other as examples in a sense it's like all right Jesse made this mistake why did it happen and yeah. ask someone other than Jesse so you're right, like right um, so I think that piece of it is like allowing guys to not feel like they're like tense and gonna get absolutely like shellacked for it right, if right. they do make mistakes yeah i think that's the big thing okay but that environment so, takes a long time to yeah to establish as well. well well even so like if you're if you're asking other other people like why did why did these mistakes happen i think just with egos too it's like oh, i'm not gonna listen to what he has to say right because you know i'm better than him i'm, I'm starting so um again i think just going back to that self-aware piece and just always wanting to learn i think that's most important whether you know second third string academy goalkeeper third seeing something you know you have you have to have an open mind and which brings me to my next point it's like when you're coaching it's where where have you learned from and have you switched your coaching style even just a few years that that you've been doing it and where has that style gone from you know day one to to now um Honestly, I like, uh, it's easy for me to say this because I'm here, but it really is like, I believe it is like a special place here at Sporting in terms of like, I learned a lot from Alex, the first team goalkeeper mm -hmm. coach, and being around like Peter and some of the other like first team technical staff. You take different, how to, how to approach different players and create a culture. And I think yeah. even though the culture is like laid out, I think there are moments where you have to recognize like what does each player need? How do they react? And mm -hmm. I think that's the space that I continue to grow in as a coach. It's like, 
even guys that I worked with last year in comparison to this year, like they respond differently in order to like create that culture. And you have yeah. to recognize there's always like a feeling out period where for me, I don't like change my coaching style, but I need to see like how they react. Uh, and I mean, we do a bunch of like, um, we do like something called a riser test here, um, which tells us like, it's basically like a in detail personality yeah. test. Right. Um, things so like that. That helps too. Yeah. 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 Like how just to understand the human and like how they respond to, yeah, yeah we, we did something similar, but it, it's so interesting too. Cause it's like, oh, well they respond differently to this, but this person responds differently to this. So it's just, yeah. it, it's yeah. interesting. Honestly, goalkeeping coaching, it's, I feel like it's a lot different just because you have an opportunity to be a little bit more personable and like connected because sure. you're working yeah. with a smaller group more mm -hmm. often than not. And I think that's what really separates like really good goalkeeper coaches. Like I feel like when you get to this level, like at the end of the day, for the most part, like everyone's a pretty good trainer. Yeah. yeah. But what guys really like gravitate to is like who can add an extra like two or 3% to their game and help them get through whatever motivates them and get the, get the best out of them. Right. It's um, interesting. So what, um, let's, let's talk to all the college athletes out there. What are something that, that you look at, or even, you know, your whole staff looks at for a college goalkeeper looking to break into the program? Um, I think we're, we're obviously- Wait, let me interrupt for a second too. And how much research is really being done? Because I, I want to assume that you're calling coaches and everything, you know, you're asking a whole bunch of people, a whole bunch of different questions. So, you know, what, what's that process like for somebody trying to break into the program? Yeah, I think, I mean, we definitely watched a lot of like college games and college goalkeepers and we have like depth charts and who we think guys are potentially good coming out of college. Um, before I get into, I guess, like the framework of what we look for, I think the one thing that guys need to realize is if you take a 22, 23 year old college kid, yeah, you need to be significantly better than 16, 17, 18 year old academy kids. And I think that's, Jeez sometimes it's the direction we're moving yeah but also it's like a wake-up call sometimes when mm -hmm. we bring guys into training from the college environment and we have like a 16 17 year old goalkeeper in training and there's the margin isn't massive between them right they might have a little bit more in terms of like their physical build and like their understanding of the sure. game but like the technical aspects of being clean and like reading that like just I guess like the technical parts of it. Yeah. If it's not head and shoulders better than a 16, 17 year old kid, I think a lot of MLS coaches look at it. It's like, look, if I have a kid who's already this far ahead at 16, right. And I'm evaluating a 23 year old kid, I've got seven year gap to turn this kid into what you are now. And I think sometimes that's a wake up Jeez. call. And it's not like that everywhere. But right. I think the direction we're headed is we're encouraging like young kids and I think college kids have to have special qualities to them and realize that like I, I think sometimes you're like looking forward of like this is what an MLS goalkeeper has yeah. sometimes you're naive to like what's coming behind you as well that's interesting like that's got to be a wake-up call our uh, our I mean even our first team guys see it too like yeah yes like even guys like John and Kendall who are 21 and 28 
well, like we had a 14 year old goalkeeper in that first team training and he did like Jeez. extremely well. Yeah. And then that, like, uh, you make comments to like guys like Cole Scamp, you're like, you're chasing a guy like Tim and you should be. But also at the same time, like, don't forget what, Yeah. you know, like, where were you when you were 14? Right. Like these kids have like big ceilings. Jeez. Um, that's a so lot. I think that's like that's one thing that sometimes college kids don't see is they're always looking forward. Yeah. Um, and just, I guess, giving some insight as to like the dynamic of like how a second team or first team goalkeeper coach thinks in terms of like building a roster. Sure. And now if they don't have that, then of course they need to go get that. Um, sure. But I think for me, like we're a club that plays out the back, like has to be proficient playing out the back uh, under pressure, understands the game model. And that's something that like, you need to put a guy in it and he needs to understand it, but he needs yeah. to have the the technical aspects to do so. He needs to show at least some sort of understanding in the college game of like moments of when to play, when not to play. Yeah. Um, obviously everyone's going to say like a good shot stopper or someone who commands their area well. Um, yeah. Those I think, are all generic things though. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But I think it, uh, one of the things that I'd look for too is like, if I was really, really interested in a guy, I'd want to know like more about him as a person. Right. Because you can tell a lot about, look for, if you're going to be on a second team role as a second team contracted guy, you mm -hmm. need to you need to understand your role. Like, sure. I'll give you an example, a little shout out to like Ethan as well. Like, yeah, yeah. UK goalkeeper, like had a really good conversation with him. And um, he was a little bit of a surprise because I feel like, he wasn't necessarily like a higher end profile right. college kid. Sure, but sure. When we brought him in, he was like, this kid's super technical. Yeah. Further along than a lot of college kids. He maybe doesn't, he hasn't gotten maybe like the game reps that like he's got 70, 80 games under his belt. Right. But there's something there. He's hungry, humble. He takes in information super well. And he also understands the role. Like we sat down with him. We're like, look, this is the reality of the situation. Like pole scamping Macintosh, they're probably going to come down and get bulk of the minutes. Yeah. You're going to get your opportunities, but you need to just like take the environment for what it is. And if your opportunity comes here, you continue to like flourish. You could get a first team contract. Worst case scenario, you work your tail off. We make you a better goalkeeper and then you go somewhere else. Right. But he's just like really embraced that. And I was yeah. like, Super pleased for him last weekend. He got his first like debut too. start. And, yeah. Like for me, man of the match, like was excellent. Didn't look like a guy who had just started in his first pro game. Right. And it right. just is like a testament to him of like he's got an excellent mentality. He works hard. To this day, has not had like a conversation with me about like, hey, I want to like, why am I not playing on the weekend? Right. And I'd be okay if he did. But he's just like head down, humble, mm -hmm. work my tail off, taking as much information so that when my opportunity comes, I'm going to take it. Yeah. And now that he's taken an opportunity, it's easier for us to know that, you know, if we don't want John or Kendall to get a game for whatever reason, like we're not like, ah, crap, Ethan has to play. Like he right. just had a shocker last weekend. Like we're confident in him because he trains well. And now he's shown us that he can play well. Yeah, that's awesome. Good for him. What, what, he's a national champion a too little, at the USL two level as well. Yeah, just a little uh, set GK shout out as well. Yeah, so. yeah, shout out Ethan. Um, that's awesome. So you don't care about where kids come from college either, do you? You don't really. It doesn't matter because I mean, you obviously had a great career at a smaller mid major school, so it doesn't matter, right? 
me, I don't care if you're playing D1, D2, D3, NAIA. The one thing that I guess, I mean, it's a sad reality. Anytime a kid's an international, it, it, it's not like a ding on them, but it's like, uh, again, if I can't find, like, if I can't find another you, then right. like, that's awesome. But you have to already stick out because the reality is there's, there's a bunch of really good college American goalkeepers. Yeah. So why, you're not going to waste it when the club wants to use that right? for other players on some kid from France or something like that, like mm -hmm. just makes it, it's thought just, process wise. the way like, it is. Yeah. But hey, I mean, it's the same to be fair though, to, for Americans going overseas, right. They're not going to waste, you know, a roster spot on a goalkeeper unless you're that, that much better, which luckily now there's all these leagues popping up too on the U S side, but before, you know, probably around when you were graduating, you know, it was really just the USL and MLS and going overseas was, was tricky. So yeah. that's, that's my excuse for why I didn't play, but <laughs> no. Uh, all right. So, Hey, last question. The most important question I need to ask, what's the favorite set GK glove? So I, the first pair that I wore were, um, it was the all black, um, give me two seconds oh. <laughs> yeah, was it the was it the vaders the vaders yes 100 percent. love those ones and i yeah. just started getting into the all whites okay um so for me those are like the two that i know um, yeah. Ethan wears the red ones ethan loves the red like, venoms yeah and ethan can hold a ball every once in a while so i'm like okay <laughs> um, yeah but no hey, I mean, john mccarthy is a big red venom guy too so yeah for, for me, I mean, I think the, the all black ones, the Vaders are just like aesthetically, they, they look good. Um, they're definitely a game that, or a, a glove that I would wear if I was playing, like when I jump into small side every once in a while, like. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So I think yeah. those ones will probably be my favorite right now until I start breaking in these all whites a little bit more. And then I hear you. If I, if I start winning some small side of games, then they'll be <laughs> my favorite. If, if not, then I'll have to go back to the Vaders. So yeah. Well, Darren, look, hey, that's a great answer. We appreciate your time today, and uh, we'll talk soon. Sounds good. Appreciate it, man. Yeah.